0: Hello, all you Bay Brother listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of our podcast, Bay Brothers. Today, we would like to welcome our guest, uh, fellow analyst of college basketball and baseball, Cullen Starker. Cullen, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, gentlemen. Glad to be here.
0: (laughs) And today, we have a full slate of college basketball as second-round games were yesterday. There are more today. Um, Also, MLB. Mike Trout sil- signs the huge contract of $430 million. Uh, also, some late signings and um, late extensions for MLB, also. Yes, and uh, we'll dive into college basketball now. Jack, your takes on yesterday. Um, so, some of the early games, LSU and Maryland, that was a close game. Waters with the last second layup. Um, but a lot of the late games are very disappointing. A lot of blowouts, Villanova getting clobbered. Not many um, upsets, I'd say. Not- Pretty disappointing. Would you say so,
1: Colin? Yeah, disappointing day yesterday, I would say.
0: And so um, a couple teams or a team that I think can make a run who is maybe a dark horse is Buffalo. I think they have a lot of veteran presence. C.J. Massenburg averages 18 points. Nick Perkins is a great presence inside. Um, Jeremy Harris will most likely guard... uh, Jared Culver today of Texas Tech. I think it'll be a great matchup. He's also very long. He's six seven. Jared Culver's about six five. So it'll be a great matchup to watch in that game today. You guys, what are some Dark Horse teams that you like? Um I don't know if they're even considered a Dark Horse anymore, but I would go Auburn. Um, because uh I mean, just looking at their tape last night, they we're super fast. They beat everyone down the court, and if as long as North Carolina wins today, that will be a super impressive matchup and very intriguing to watch.
1: Uh, I would say Florida State, just because uh, Kevin Gelly, they're their best players going off lately, and uh, they can really rebound enough out athleticize uh, most of the teams they're playing, and I think they'll take them far in the tournament.
0: Yeah, you said uh, that they're in your championship along with Auburn. They
1: are indeed. I, I like <laughs> I like my odds. For after what I saw yesterday,
0: <laughs> and so um, some one seeds that are a one seed that could be upset uh, later, either today or in the Sweet 16, I think would be North Carolina in the Sweet um, 16. Are you saying in the Sweet 16? Um, I think in that game against Auburn, most likely, as we say, Auburn is hot right now. Um, they crushed Tennessee in the SEC final, so that was a great showing about how they can be good teams in big situations. Yeah. I mean, Auburn's catching fire at the right time of the year. Uh, I think March is all about getting on a hot streak, getting hot at the right time. And that's exactly what Auburn's doing right now. That's why I like him to go far. But for me, the most vulnerable, number one seed, I'm going to go with Duke. Just because of their, um, their struggling in uh, shooting threes right now, uh, 30.5% of their threes are made, which is a very low percentage. I think this makes them vulnerable and susceptible to losing because, uh, as we see, the new trend in college basketball is you have to have the ability to make threes uh, because people can shut you down inside. I don't think they're going to lose today against UCF. I think that's a for-sure thing. They're going to win that one. But I really think they're vulnerable against Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech getting their um, point guard back in Robertson. And uh, I think... Virginia Tech, with uh, winning against Duke earlier in the season, they have confidence going into that game. So I think uh, as long as Virginia Tech wins today, Duke is very vulnerable in the Sweet 16. Well, for me, I think Duke is more vulnerable in the Elite. I think they would um, beat Virginia Tech handily because Virginia Tech has beat them um, already, which sounds a little counterintuitive, but I think it's because Duke will come with a kind of a revenge game against them and Honestly, they might blow them out, but I think Michigan State's more of a handful for handful for them.
1: For me personally, I think the game tonight at seven o'clock with Virginia and Oklahoma. I think Virginia is very vulnerable in that game because Oklahoma can really score, uh, putting up ninety-three points last game and led by senior guard Christian James, averaging fifteen points a game. And Virginia's past history of just choking in the NCAA tournament. I think I think they got a shot tonight. and It'll be a really good game.
0: Um. Then a few. Uh... Sweet 16 matchups, what are you guys uh, looking forward to in those matchups? One for me would be uh Floristing and Gonzaga. That would just be a great game with Brandon Clark, Terrence Mann, a lot of athletic long guys, bodies flying everywhere. I think that would be a really fast up-and-down game. Um, for me, I think the Purdue-Tennessee game, uh, I think that will be super intriguing just because Purdue's been, um, I mean, they've been dominating their competition. Last night, Carson Edwards had the game of his life. He's coming in hot. Tennessee, uh, they're kind of the opposite. They don't have uh, great scoring guards, but Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams have really powered the way for them this year. Currently, they're winning 49-28 against Iowa. It's a blowout. Um, they look as good as ever this season, although they lost to Auburn. I think that was just uh, kind of an outlier, unorthodox of them. But for me, Tennessee coming in hot along with Purdue will be a great battle between um, great guard play and great inside presence with Tennessee.
1: Uh, for me personally, I think the Houston-Kentucky game uh, is most intriguing because Kentucky getting their best player back, in my opinion, P.J. Washington for that game. And they're already scoring the ball now, but imagine putting him back in and to, with compliments like Tyler Hero outside on the wing. Yeah.
0: I mean, as long as Houston wins tonight, that will be the matchup. But I think Houston, uh, they, they'd be susceptible to lose tonight to Ohio State. Uh, I haven't been super impressed by Houston this season. Um, I don't know. I think they have a chance to lose tonight. Um, for me, honestly, Ohio State played a really good game against Iowa State. But I do not think they're a very good team, honestly. They were super shaky in the Big Ten. And I think Houston's a more complete team. Um, a lot of seniors on the team, even though... You know, everybody will say they didn't play anybody good this year. I think they'll still um, get it together and handle Ohio State. And also, um, as the draft nears after the college basketball season ends in the NBA season in June, um, talk about who will go number one, who will go number two, um, how will that all play out. Obviously, most consensus is that Zion Williamson will go number one overall, but the two, um, the number two pick could be between uh, John Morant and R.J. Barrett. Well, I was hearing an interview with Fran Fischel the other day, and he said that if a team like the Suns gets the number one overall pick, it's not a done deal that Zion will be the number one pick. I know it's a sure guarantee that Zion's the best prospect coming out of college since LeBron, but um, John Morant, with his impressive tourney run and although they lost last night, he still had a great game, and especially against Marquette. He's proven that he can play against the top of the tier talent within college basketball. So, if a team like the Suns, they just picked up DeAndre last year, their center, um, and I think they could use a point guard. I mean, they have Devin Booker as a great shooting guard. If they, they have that great nucleus, if they just get a great point guard who can facilitate the offense, um, I, I would still pick Zion number one overall. Nonetheless, uh, wh- whatever team you are, but I think John Morant. Um, is definitely worthy of a number, one, or number two overall pick and much better than R.J. Barrett because I think R.J. Barrett, he's a great scorer. I don't think he's a great overall or, uh, all-around player.
1: Okay, so if, if you're the Suns, you got Devin Booker, ball-dominant guard. But he's
0: a shooting guard.
1: I know, but John Morant's well, a ball-dominant player.
0: So. And also, I feel like the rule of thumb for the draft is you take the best player available. You know, it can work in your offense no matter what. You just got to take the best player available. Well, I wouldn't say that's totally true because what if you already have like in the NFL draft, if you have a quarterback that's already proved himself and you have the number one overall pick, why would you take another quarterback? I'm talking, draft, I'm talking I'm talking the NBA. NFL's a whole different animal. But if you ha if there's a team, I think guard play is the most important thing in basketball. I mean you can have great centers, but without good guards, there's no way to facilitate the offense. So if you have great centers, you also need a good guard to um tag along with it. Well I don't think that's necessarily the case. It's not like, I think you just got to find the best players. I mean, Zion can still step out and handle the ball and be a slasher. It's not like he's a, a 6'10 post Shaq guy. Like, he's, he's not that type of player. Yeah, I mean, I, I never said that Zion, sh- or Zion shouldn't be the number one pick. I didn't say that John Morant should be the number one or lower pick. I just think that um, John Morant, I just want to point out his talent and how good of an NBA player he could be? Well, I think I'd probably take R.J. Barrett in front of uh, John Moran because if you look at last night how uh, Florida State played him compared to Marquette, um, Florida State played him played him much more better with uh, letting the help come a little later, so he'd hit a 12, try to hit a 12-footer instead of making him make the easy passes. I think if Marquette played him a little better, he wouldn't have looked as good. I know that's saying you know a lot of if factors there, but I still think with... Uh, Flores State with kind of a, not like an NBA roster, but like size-wise, with all the long guys that are in the NBA, it kind of hurts his case there a little bit. Well, I I think John Morant, I mean, he proved himself that he's a good shooter. He can pass the ball. So I would take him over R.J. Barrett because I haven't seen, I haven't been super impressed by R.J. Barrett this season yet. I know he's a scorer. I don't think he's great on the defensive end. And, I mean, I just think that.
1: I'm going to go with Jack on this one. I think we've had little exposure to John Morant and... These two games, yeah, he had good numbers, but I think R.J. Barrett would be a safer pick if I'm that team at two. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. interesting discussion as we head into the off season.
0: All right, and now we're going to talk a little the games coming today and picking games against the spread. So we'll head around the table quick and pick these games. So Virginia's fair by 11.5 over Oklahoma. Who do you got there? I got Oklahoma just because it seems like Virginia never blows a team out. Oklahoma uh, looked really impressive with shooting the other day. Not saying that uh, Oklahoma's going to win. I still got Virginia in this game, but I think they'll keep it close. Uh,
1: I think I, I think 11.5 uh, a is a stretch, but I think it'll be a close game throughout. And uh, I think Virginia will limit Oklahoma to scoring, unlike Ole Miss did where they just blew him out. And I think it'll be a, within five, within a minute to go. Um,
0: for me, I think Virginia will control this game the whole way especially with their defense. Uh, I think they could beat them. I think 11.5 is a big spread, but I think they could cover and still win by double digits. Our next game, Duke, favored by 13.5 against UCF. I got Duke on this one. Uh, Heading into this game, I think they have a lot lot to prove. Kind of want to shut down Taco Falls' comment about shutting um, Zion out. I got Duke in this one.
1: Uh, I'm going to take the over on this one. I think... I think Taco Fall is intriguing in this game, but I, I don't think that I just think Duke's a way better team and I think I don't think he'll be close, frankly.
0: Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I think um UCF is really not that talented of a team. They're a solid um, you know, eight nine seed for what they are, but not Duke's level. Uh, next game of the day, UNC's fair by ten and a half against Washington. Uh I got UNC in this game. I'll take the over uh They've looked super impressive late they're my national championship pick, and um i th- I think they're the favorite to win in this one not, I don't think it'll be close. I'm calling a twenty point game in favor of North Carolina. Uh, go heels.
1: I actually think that the huskies will keep this close. I was not impressed with North Carolina in their first game for the at first time for the first half. <laughs>
0: I feel like for the first game, you kind of just have to get the jitters out. I mean, we've seen Tennessee at a close game with Colgate. Right now, they're blowing out Iowa, so maybe it's just those first-time jitters. Get them out of the way. Now they're good to go. They'll be full steam ahead.
1: Yeah, maybe, but we don't know yet. So I mean, I honestly, we'll for me, I don't think you can way say. I don't yeah, know if you road. can
0: say there's a lot of jitters when you have three seniors in your starting lineup. That's kind of bad to see if you have jitters. With three but seniors. they still have Kobe White and Nasir Little, both freshmen, so. All right, fair enough. Um, For me, I'm going to go with Cully on this one. I haven't seen a lot of Washington this year playing in the West Coast, Pac-12, but um, watching them against uh, Utah State, they showed some promise, and I think they could keep it close. Texas Tech is favored by 3.5 against Buffalo. Uh, This is a tough one. I'm going to go with Buffalo. I was really impressed by their first-round matchup. I didn't have a lot of confidence heading into the tournament with Buffalo, but uh with their super impressive first round matchup against Arizona, uh I I, I got Buffalo in this one. I think they're gonna win it. I'm calling upset.
1: Uh I'm with Andrew on this one. I, I think uh I was really impressed by Buffalo and uh CJ Massenberg, their their stellar guard, and uh I wasn't impressed with Texas Tech, honestly, but I think I think it's going to be a Massenberg versus Jared Culver in the end, and whoever has a better game, I think their team will win.
0: I'm going to agree with both of you guys here. i got Buffalo going to, my, going to the final four of my bracket. Um, I think they'll win outright, and it'll be a very exciting matchup to see. Houston's favored by 5.5 against Ohio State. Um, I'm going to go with Ohio State on this one, not only to cover, but they're going to win.
1: I was very impressed with Houston. Uh, the other day, and frankly, I think, I mean, I've watched quite a few Ohio State games, and that one the other day was like the first good game against Ohio State that I've seen them play, start to finish. And it helped that they got their big guy Wesson back, but I think Houston will be too much. I'm guessing 10 plus, they'll win.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say um, Houston's gonna cover here. Ohio State's looking to have. Um, a down game here after having that really good game. I don't think there's any way they can sustain that against a really good Houston team. And um, Oregon's fair by 5 against the 13 seed UC Irvine. Um, I'm going to take Oregon on this one. Uh, as I said before, March Madness is all about the hot team. Oregon rolling in with, I think, 8 straight wins, winning the Pac-12. And that's leading into a super impressive blowout win over Wisconsin. So even though UC Irvine has been playing really well, a bunch of people jumping on that bandwagon, I think Oregon's going to shut up those guys and uh, take a, an impressive win today and win by over 10.
1: Oregon's the hottest team in the country right now, and I think they'll keep that going today. And they're, one of the best players, Peyton Pritchard, he's he's been lights out for them. And after a very promising and convincing win against Wisconsin, I think I think they got it today. Um,
0: I think it's going to come down to late-game fouling, but I think Oregon will still pull it out and cover the spread of five. So I'll uh, agree with you guys by Oregon by more than five. And then the last game we're picking here, uh, Virginia Tech is fair by nine against Liberty. Um, I'm going to take Liberty in this one. They looked very good against Mississippi State. Mississippi State's not a great team in my opinion, but um, they had – a lot of good presence and seemed to very, very poised throughout the whole game. Um, I'm going to take Virginia Tech on this one. Uh, I just think with their explosive offense and Buzz Williams, seems like he's coached very well in the tournament. Even though Liberty looked really good against uh, Mississippi State, I think that was kind of an outlier. I got Virginia Tech on this one big.
1: I got Virginia Tech big. Along with Andrew, because they got their senior point guard back, Justin Robinson. That guy's a stud. And to go along with Blackshear, I don't think Liberty will hang uh, hang with their athleticism and and they'll keep him off the glass. I think.
0: Um. Now, what double double-digit seat has the best chance to win today? Do you guys think? Um. I mean, in the matchup between Oregon and UC Irvine, it's going to be a double-digit seat, obviously. But besides that. I'd say uh, I'd say Liberty. I mean, I really liked how they played. I think they they play really fast. Um, like you did say, Buzz Williams has he's a very good tournament coach, but I think Liberty could overcome that. Um, I'm going to take Ohio State on this one, uh, even though it was one of the rare games where they played really well. I think they're
1: going to continue that momentum into the uh, Sweet 16. I'm going to go with Ohio State as well, even though I think both both the games between uh, Ohio State-Houston and um, Liberty-Virginia Tech won't be close. I think Ohio State has a better chance to stay in the game and possibly win it more than Liberty because Ohio State's hot coming in, and they got the big guy back, and I think they can make it interesting. All right, now
0: moving on to um, Major League Baseball. We're going to do some preseason predictions right now. All right, guys, give me your AL MVP preseason predictions for this year. So my AL MVP will be Mike Trout. Um, For me, he's been MVP multiple times more than the two he's received. Um, I think it's hurt him being on the Bad Angels team for all his career, but I think um, he's going to get a chance here to win it. And then in the NL, I'm going to go with Nolan Arenado, of the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies will be um, in for a wild card all year, hopefully. And I think um, he's the best offensive third baseman in, in the MLB. And obviously his offense um, has been great throughout his whole career. Um, for AL MVP, I'm going to go with Alex Bregman. He's kind of turned into the face of Major League Baseball. Um, Wait, the face of Major League Baseball? Yes, you... he's taking on that role because oh, no he wants way. to populate that the is, sports. That's that blasphemous. Is, yeah, that is awful. Read it's, the Sports Illustrated article. Why, about him. Wait, this. first, give why, me some this. reasons why you think Alex Bregman is the face of baseball. Because he is outlandish comments, not outlandish, that's, but that's he's media. To, that's not that's not actual his his play is not done that well to be the face of baseball. So a, it's Mike. He's Trout been and an Bryce MVP. Harper. Uh, he's been an MVP candidate. For, he's. I'm, I'm not saying he's he, the face. Last he's year, been one of them. He was an okay MVP candidate. Candidate before that, he was nowhere near an MVP. I think he's turning into the face of baseball then. Maybe in 3 or 4 years, but I doubt it then. Well, he's my uh MVP candidate in the NL. I'll go with uh uh I'll go with Paul Goldschmidt on this one. Um I think he's going to live up to his extension that he signed. Uh I think the Cardinals will welcome him with open arms and uh he'll have a super super successful season in St. Louis.
1: For my AL MVP, I'm going to go Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. I just think with all the run production he puts in in the middle of that Yankee lineup, I think his RBI numbers will be up, and of course the long ball he's known for that. And if he is an above average uh, average this year, I think if he's north of 300 with all the RBIs and home runs, I think he'll I think he'll be a real threat to an AL MVP. And for NL MVP, I'm gonna go with Christian Yelich. Two years in a row, I think I think he's got the smoothest swing in baseball. And gap-to-gap power, hitting machine, he'll be north of 300 for sure, I think. And if he keeps the power up and the run production, I think, hot take, it's going to be a lock. Mm-hmm. All right,
0: and also for the Cy Young, in the AL, I'm going to go with Chris Sale. Uh, last year, it looked like he had a really good chance before he got injured for a little bit, and then Blake Snell took off. And then in the NL, I'm going to with Aaron Nola on the rising Philly team. Um, last year, he had a great breakout year, and I think he could have a sub-2.5 ERA, 200-plus strikeout guy. Uh, for the AL, I'm, for SIA, I'm going to go with Justin Verlander. Um, this may seem like he's aging a little bit. Just signed a two-year, $66 million extension. So I think uh, he'll live up to the contract, and he's going to be um, front guy for the uh, Astros rotation this year. And then i got Walker Buehler. Um, although he might seem a little young, just his postseason performance last year uh, makes me think that he'll have an unbelievable season, although he's dealing with some shoulder inflammation right now. Doesn't look to be s- too serious, so I got uh, Walker Bueller for my NL Cy Young.
1: For my NL Cy Young, I'm going to go with a, sort of an underdog heel. Uh, Miles Michaelis from the Cardinals. Mm. ERA south of a, of a three last year. He was dominant against the Brewers. Those are the games I watched. A uh, good win loss record, a good WHIP.
0: Oh, no, don't talk about win losses. It doesn't matter. Oh, Andrew, that... I'm going to talk about win losses. This,
1: this this is no win podcast that already locks your spot for not coming back on the pot. Yeah. <laughs> and then for AL Cy Young, I'm going to go with Blake Snell again. I think he's just so dominant. Wipeout slider, good command, and I think the Rays will be a real threat for the AL wild card this year. And
0: also, we're going to do Comeback Player of the Year. I'm going to go with Corey Seager. He was all out last year, and he's been getting strong in the offseason, and they say he's been in the best shape of his life coming back for the 2019 season. I don't have a ton of faith in this pick, but uh, with a blind eye, I'm going to go with Matt Harvey. Looks like he slimmed down a little bit, stopped partying, maybe will focus on the game, and uh, return to the dominant pitcher he once was.
1: I'm going to go with Buster Posey, the catcher for the San Francisco Giants after being out last year with a hip injury, I think he'll come back this year, have an average north of 300, and really get the run production up. But I don't think it will really affect the Giants' record-wise. I think they still, I think they'll get 70 wins, not much more though.
0: And also, um, World Series matchup um, for me, my preseason prediction will be Yankees over Brewers. In the NL, I really struggled to find a team to really pick. Um, I couldn't pick one of the NL East teams. I felt they're too young and not complete yet. I struggle to pick those teams with a lot of offseason signs. They need some time to get some chemistry. Um, the Brewers, I'm not even for sure on, but um, I don't have any other. I don't have a feeling on the on the Dodgers. I don't think they could make um, a third World Series in a row. And then the Yankees for me, even though the injury of Luis Luis Severino, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, I think their offense will finally click fully together and they'll win um postseason series and hoist the trophy in new york also fun fact the yankees um have not won a pennant in 2010 in the decade of 2010 on and that if they don't win in 2019 it'll be the first time in yankees history so i'm just calling their due for me i got the cardinals over the yankees uh i've been super impressed by the cardinals it's probably one of the best franchises, if not the best franchise in baseball. Uh, even though they've missed the playoffs um, three or er, for the last three years, uh, with the addition of Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Miles Mikolas, um, and a few other starting pitchers, I think they could pick up. I, I think their Achilles' heel of that team is their bullpen. But I think uh, they could trade for someone in the midseason. Um, and and I got the Cardinals just because of their.
1: Uh, Postseason success they've had in the past oh for me uh, I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with the Astros and the Brewers this year with the champion of I think it's gonna be the Astros again I think I don't think the Brewers have enough starting pitching honestly to make it through seven games against a really good team like the Astros especially yeah. after adding Michael Brantley I think the Astros really just fixed that hole in their option that they've been having. That's what kept him down last year against the Boston Red Sox, I think. And uh, I think Jose Altuve will be back to his normal production. I think Carlos Correa, after being injury-riddled last year, I think he's a strong candidate for comeback player of the year, maybe even AL MVP. And also, um,
0: who is the most intriguing team to watch out for the season? Maybe a dark horse um, to make a run to win a pennant or to win a division. Um, I'm not saying this team's going to have any success, but the most or the team that I'm most intrigued with this season is the Reds. Um, their starting pitching is, uh, the weak link of that team. However, their offense is very powering. And even as they struggled last year, their offense was still one of the most powerful in baseball. Um, even though Scooter Jeanette, he's, uh, out eight to 12 weeks with an injury, um, with the addition of Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, um, we'll see how Sonny Gray does in Cincinnati. I think they will be a fun team to watch this year. And, uh, Maybe play spoiler in the NL Central.
1: I'm gonna go with the New York Mets, uh, just because you know the pitching up, the pitching's always there for them. They added key rotation parts. Actually, no, not rotation, bullpen parts. Yeah, Edwin uh, Diaz, I mean, Edwin Diaz, Justin Wilson from the Cubs, and of course Robinson Cano for that offense. And even though Cespedes will be out with a heel injury for most of the season, I think their pitching will hold them upright, and they'll compete for a. Uh and a wild card, honestly.
0: For me, I'm gonna
1: go with the Tampa Bay Rays. Um,
0: it'll be hard to even get nearly compete um for a division title in the AL East, but I think they'd have a shot at a wild card. They're intriguing last year with their bullpenning tactics using the opener. Um, I think if they stay in it for a while, they could acquire some pieces at the deadline and make a run for the wild card. Um Next, we're going to talk about Mike Trout's deal. So, for you guys, do you think Mike Trout's groundbreaking deal will be worth it in the end? Um, I think it will be. Obviously, late in his career, when he's in his late thirties, it will look like um, just paying guy way too much money for low production, probably. But for now, in the next, you know, next five, six, seven years, it'll be very good. Um, obviously, the money will keep increasing with the um, inflation in America. So, right. I mean. As time goes on, it won't be as bad for the Angels. But honestly, if they're going to maximize their time with one one of the best players to ever play the game, they got to find a way to win playoff games and find other pieces to complement him. Right. I'm with Jack on this one. I think it'll be totally worth it. But they need to bring a World Series crown, one of the best, uh, probably I say one of the best players of all time. Um, and as Jack said, with inflation, I think this deal could look good in the end. And I don't think I feel like Mike Trout's a person that. I think he'll age well. I think he can still be just as productive as he is now into his mid to late 30s. Um, And in the end, uh, I think this will seem for the Angels one of the best deals in history just because um, teams will start playing players much more. And I think this um, record contract could be broken within the next two, three years with
1: another free agent. I think this deal would be worth every penny because he has been one of the most productive players in MLB for about seven years right now. Two two AL MVPs, seven All Star Game MVPs. Yeah. And you know, I think I don't I don't think he'll get a championship in Anaheim. That's just me, but I think for sure he'll win two, three more MVPs at least. He'll be in every All Star game until he's about thirty five. I think and he'll go down as one of the best players of all time, With and I don't even think he'll have a ring.
0: Yeah. Uh, I got some stats today about Mike Trout. He last made an error 251 games ago, showing his defensive presence, and also Trout's 9.8 war last year was better than the entire lineup of the White Sox, Padres, Tigers, Giants, and Orioles, showing how valuable he is to a team. And also, um, a couple days ago, if you're watching in the morning, Ichiro was playing in Japan, Mariners and A's. He had his last AB, um, walked off the field. It was a great show in the Tokyo Dome, and Ichiro's career ended then. Obviously, coming from Japan, um, you could one could argue he is the hit king. Um, obviously, he is in Japan, or he's one of the best players play in Japan. And um, over 3,000 hits, he's had a great career. Um, one of, one of the greatest hitters of all time. Yeah, I mean, super impressive numbers, 3,089 hits in his 19 um, major league seasons, 1,278 hits in Japan, so just imagine how many hits he could have had uh, if he was in the majors his entire career, maybe could have broken Pete Rose's record, Um, he collected over 200 hits in 10 consecutive seasons, a remarkable feat, and uh, he was named to 10 all-star teams within those seasons, so um, just an unbelievable player, great ambassador to the game, and uh, his legacy will remain on forever as a Japanese legend. And now we have our soft tissue and tough cookie segment of the show. And my soft tissue of this week is Villanova. Um, after being the defending champs of 2018 of college basketball, they got clobbered by Purdue by 20 plus points. Disappointing with um, Jay Wright being one of the greatest coaches in um, in college basketball right now. And well. Here you guys. Um, for Villanova, I feel like it was hard for them to have a successful season, though, because, I mean, they lost four guys to the NBA, and I think it would be hard for them to rebound to have another great season. I'm not saying that they should have won the game. I'm just saying, just pointing to see that they lose by over 20. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, they're not favored in the game. If they lose, you know, by five or seven, it's all good. But to be like That high of a program and you get blown out like that, it's not good to see. Yeah, uh, My soft tissue is going to be March Madness in general just because of the lack of competitive games and uh, upsets that kind of didn't happen this year, really.
1: Uh, My soft tissue is going to be Wisconsin basketball teams in March Madness because Marquette and Wisconsin both losing their games in the first round to uh, double-digit seeds by 20-plus. That's not a good look. And with all the basketball talent we have in the state, you would think that our home teams would have a little talent. But it's just Wisconsin's boring offense hasn't (laughs) worked since 2015, Sam same and Frank Kaminsky. And Marquette is a really bad coach and really good talent. And their starting five will be back next year, so hopefully they get that figured out and make a run at it next year.
0: And my tough cookie for this week is going to be Ichiro, as we just said, um, his legacy and all he's done for baseball in America and in Japan. My tough cookie is going to be Eric Kratz. Recently traded today to the Giants. Um, uh, as a fan of the Brewers, Eric Kratz is just a great man to watch. Um, came up in the clutch sometimes, but overall, just a great uh, a, a great person in the clubhouse for the Brewers. And he'll be dearly missed. Um, good luck to you in the future,
1: Kratzy. Uh, my tough cookie is going to be Clay Matthews going to the Rams. Uh, Ten-year Packers veteran. All-time leader in sacks. It was it was just sad to see him go, even though he was the king in uh, pr- production. And we just needed some new legs, I thought. But I wish him all the best in L.A. and in his home state. He has a house five minutes from L.A. Rams uh, facility. Dang. I think it was a perfect fit.
0: And now we're going to go to our uh, final four of March Madness traditions or March Madness things in general. And... Um, Call you can start us off being our guest today. Um,
1: for one shining moment, I'm gonna go with the uh, Iron Eagle, the the TNT and uh, CBS announcer. His famous rack attack uh, line, and uh, yeah, that was, that was my shining moment.
0: <laughs> All right, for my for the second pick, I'm gonna go with um, people that bandwagon onto the March Madness. Just a bunch of people that have never been a college basketball fan in their life. All of a sudden, um, they care so much about the games, even though they have no idea what's happening or they don't even know the rules about basketball. So uh, th- those kind of those people really grind my gears and get on my nerves. Kind of like
1: Warriors friends, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to the way the road. Way for the road. me, I'm going to go with uh, when Wisconsin loses in the tournament. Um, for me, I hate Wisconsin basketball. Big Marquette fan, so it's always a joy for me. Since it's a snake, I'll take my second wow. one. I think it's irrational that you compare Wisconsin to the Soviet Union, though. That, that is not irrational. It is very comparable. <laughs> <laughs> um, for my second one, I'm going to go with people underrating the Zags. I don't understand it anymore. They made it to a Final Four in a national championship game. Um, they've gone, they're always 20-plus win team losing one or two game in the WCC. Doesn't really make sense to me why people are underrating. They play a tough non-conference now. It's it's irrational to me. Um, for my next pick, I'm going to go with um, when they always show little kids crying in the stands. Last year it was the Northwestern kid. Before it was the piccolo player from Villanova. So always um, it's kind of funny to see those, those hardcore fans crying um, and their sadness is expressed.
1: Uh, for my second pick, I'm going to go with the 12 and over five games. This year there's been a few of those games and those are always intriguing to me because. Frankly, I feel in all those games, the 12s end up winning, and I, I just think the 5s always look deflated for some reason in all those games, especially last year, there was four of those games, and those intrigue me, and for my third one, I'm going to go with uh, people underrating Houston, Houston led by uh, a good combo guard, uh, I think they they can really score, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. And in their game today against Ohio State, I think they'll test them. But the real game I'm looking for is the Kentucky-Houston game. that will really test how they'll do against a real good team and a, a Blue Blood team. And, yeah. Um,
0: for my next pick, I'm going to go with um, when you get burnt out of basketball from watching 10-plus games a day. Um, I, I mean, sometimes you just... It's just hard to watch those games that you're really not invested in, but you feel as a a loyal college basketball fan that you're kind of obligated to watch them. So sometimes you just get burnt out, and it's, it's just hard to go on. For my third pick, I'm just going to go the band in general. Um, that's kind of their, their one shining moment to stand out when the one drummer's got like the five seconds on TV. He's like freaking out. Yeah. Um, but they always get really invested into the game all the time. And then for my last pick... I'm just going to go with um, Bill Raftery, his onions call for the big shot, um, a big play of the game, and all of his calls in general always very funny yeah. and good. Always getting the puppies organized. Um, for my last pick, I'm going to go with um, just one shiny moment, just the song, the video at the end. Um, it's always emotional to hear that as uh, as the tournament comes to um, an end, but... Uh, it's always good to see kind of a review of college basketball and um how 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 great the season and how great the tournament was
1: for my last one i'm gonna go with uh with one of andrews as well uh watching basketball all day for two days straight i i even skipped school for to watch basketball and frankly at the end of the night i was really sick of basketball and even they weren't even close games it wasn't even that fun like last year it was way more fun and March Madness this year just hasn't been that competitive and it's, you know, there are underdogs winning in the games that you think will be close. None of them have really been close and it's just frankly disappointing.
0: Yeah, hopefully um, Sweet 16, the rest of <clears throat> today's game games will be better, some closer games, but uh, that concludes our podcast today and we'll uh, close you with the CBS college basketball theme song that's been tossed around for um, all of March and coming into this, so Enjoy your week and enjoy all the March Madness.